0: Mark Levin here our number 877-381-3811 hello 877-381-3811 here we are on the eve before the night of the debate 9 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow night okay well not a lot I can do about it we'll see what happens hopefully it won't be completely about Donald Trump I think many people, including me, would like to know where these candidates stand or how good they are. Um, That said, given this a little bit of thought, the current electoral situation we have in this country today is brought to you by the Democrat Party, and it's all intentional. See, I'm not a former federal prosecutor. That's a strength, not a weakness. I'm not a former campaign operative for any campaign, let alone the Bush campaign. That's a strength, not a weakness. I'm not a former failed governor of New Jersey. That's a strength, not a weakness. Or a barely articulate former governor of Arkansas. That's a strength on my part. It's not a weakness. And here's what I see as an old Reagan guy. The Democrat Party has interfered with the Republican primary process. The vast majority of questions to those who seek the presidency, the Republican nomination are about Trump and the charges against Trump. That's by plan by the Democrat Party. We're talking about four different jurisdictions, three different levels of government, local, state and federal three different Democrat prosecutors in three different Democrat cities. Horrendous judges in the D.C. courts. We've now figured that out, and that's something that's going to have to be addressed one day, and there's no question about it. And so rather than the subject, for the most part, being on the Republican side, and I'm sure in the debate some of the candidates will try and alter that, Biden's disastrous record in every respect every respect on family and faith on law and order on ethics on securing the border preventing illicit drugs from crossing the border and so forth and so on inflation interest rates mortgage rates It goes on and on and on. The issue has been, oh, Donald Trump's been indicted again. Nobody's been indicted four times before. Nobody's been indicted once. And then you have people saying, well, he brought it on himself, like Bill Barr and other. He brought it on himself, you know. If he had only done this, if he had only done that. This is a guy that was treated like dirt before he even got off that escalator at Trump Tower. So they'll say, well, he brought it on himself. You don't bring tyranny on yourself. What he's done is he's helped expose it. Now, on the Democrat side, the same Democrat Party is doing everything they can to protect Joe Biden. His mob lawyer runs the Department of Justice or Injustice, as I call it. And they brought back this uh, this corrupt road prosecutor out of the Hague. He was sent to the Hague. They bring him back out of a million lawyers in America. This is the guy they bring in. Because his resume is perfect. He abuses the law. He violates legal ethics. He leaks like a sieve. Perfect. And he'll also do the party line. Well, Mark, he's going after Democrats, too. He's only gone after certain Democrats. Also went after the Tea Party. I mean, that takes a real set to do that, to go after an entire movement. that they cover up for Biden. The New York Times, the Washington Post, Politico, some of the others, they're starting to show some ankle on this. They're starting to get worried. So they're starting to to field leaks from whoever is self-serving out there, field leaks about Biden, how that thing broke down with Hunter Biden, who was involved in this, who was involved in that. But in the end, They're all for the Democrat, whether it's Biden or an orange juice can or a kumquat. It won't matter. It won't matter. But the Democrat Party has destroyed our electoral system. The Democrat Party has destroyed our justice system. Not Trump. The Democrat Party. They've destroyed the impeachment process. And now they're going to do everything they damn well can to protect their boy Biden as long as he's in there. And I get really tired of these long in the tooth inside the Beltway commentators or those who, who socialize with them or work with them. No one in particular, just as a group, keep telling us what to think and how to think when we don't care what they think. See, there was an effort today to try and intimidate me by media Andy McCarthy is an old friend. I don't talk to him much anymore. I don't talk to many people much anymore, but there you have it. We've had significant disagreements over the years. I've been involved in conservative movements since I was 13 years old. So I don't always agree with these former federal prosecutors, especially when they're talking politics or foreign policy and so forth. But I don't always agree with them when they're talking about the Constitution either. Most of them, most of them, whether they're on CNN or anywhere else, have never really dealt with constitutional issues per se. Oh, due process and, you know, warrants. I'm not talking about that. Much more complicated issues. And everyone's free to speak. I've got no problem with that. But I'm also free to disagree with them. I'm at Westwood One. The biggest syndicator of radio programs in the nation, Westwood One, I'm on iHeart radio stations, perhaps the first biggest, Westwood being the second biggest, doesn't matter. I criticize my fellow colleagues all the time. And I assume they talk about me. I don't know. I don't listen. But I'm not attacking them personally. I disagree with them personally and publicly. But why shouldn't I be able to speak? So Brother McCarthy, uh, he's in the New York Post, he's online, he wants everybody to know that he's not going to vote for Trump, that Trump cannot win, given the polling that's taking place now, and that if Trump is the nominee, we will get slaughtered and the country will be dead forever. And that's his view. Could it happen? Anything can happen, including that. But I don't think it's particularly helpful when you were never Trumper in 2015 and you were one of 25 who wrote a piece in the uh, for the National Review and, you, and so forth and so so on to make declarations and demand that Trump supporters just drop them because you say so. It, it's not it's not serious. And I went into some of that and Mediate says Mark Levin attacks Fox colleague. You see, America, I believe in free speech, I believe in debate, I believe in engagement. This is who I am. This is UFC of the mind. They don't believe that at Mediaite and Media Matters, the Democrat Party, the rest of the media. They don't believe that. They believe they have one position, and you line up behind it, but when you put your 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 brown shirt on and your black boots on and you click your heels and you march behind. It's more North Korea than it is, you know, United States. And they want to enforce conformity or silence. So their play is really to Fox management, I assume, that Levin's attacking McCarthy. But they're not going to buy it because that's not what happened. And they can try all they want. They are never going to silence me or intimidate me. If I'm left on a soapbox stand, soap stand on a corner, that's where I'll be. Unlike them, who would be on that soapbox stand on a corner, but probably naked under a raincoat. That's the left. And by the way, as a footnote, what, what is it with these guys running for president now who take their shirts off? I mean, Christie has enough sense not to take his shirt off, so I'll give him that. But you got Robert Kennedy Jr., you got Vivek Ramaswamy. What, do they all think they're uh, Vladimir Putin? Honestly, keep your shirts on. Clinton, keep your pants on. Ladies, don't pull the dresses over your head. Just run like a serious candidate. Run like a serious candidate. So, I take public positions that are challenged all the time. What the hell's wrong with that? And I want to debate those positions. And I want to engage friend and foe and everything in between alike. It doesn't matter to me. This is what I've done since I was 13 years old. And so I should stop now because somebody at media well, is attacking. Is it ta-? not attacking at all? I'm strongly disagreeing. And I do think the posting wasn't all that good, but there were no personal attacks. I saved those for Marxists. I save those for Chris Christie, you know, people like that, who invite such responses given, on, given the way that they speak and attack others. I don't encourage you to go to that site, but when you do, you can see the whole pattern there. They may have one or two rational human beings, and then they have a lot of low IQ subhumans over there who spend their days tracking me, tracking other conservatives, looking for any opportunity. They basically plagiarize what Media Matters does They go after Fox. You know, I am with Westwood One, Cumulus Westwood One, too. They never say, Cumulus Westwood One host. Or they never say, Blaze Media host. Or just Mark Levin. It's Fox. Because in the end, that's who the war is actually with. Wouldn't it be refreshing if there were some disagreements on CNN? Publicly? Openly? I don't mean throat cutting. Just lawyers on CNN or hosts on CNN. You know, I don't really agree with that. that. Doesn't really sound like a serious point to me. What about this? Oh, my God, they're attacking each other. Or even better, MSNBC. Scarborough might would well be looking and talking in the mirror. I know he'd rather anyway. Because every host that he uh, guest, excuse me, that he apparently brings on kisses his ass. By the way, on Fox, I have tried to bring on the so-called best and smartest of the left. If there are any, they won't come on. I'm not going to bring on any schlup Because that's, that's not interesting. It's not substantive. It's not entertaining. In fact, I have no interest. But to bring on, we've tried Raskin. No. We've tried, uh, geez, the list is a lot. We've tried Christie. No. We tried Romney. No. Years ago, I tried McConnell. No. Okay. Uh, who else have we tried? We have tried uh, Elizabeth Warren. No. Schumer. No. I think I said Raskins. No. None of them. Bernie Sanders. No. Even if Republicans won't come on. Who only come on if they have a book or some issue to hawk. That's going to end. That's going to end right now. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios And you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text LEVIN to 68592. LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. So as the uh, federal government keeps empowering itself keeps uh, seizing more and more of its power for itself as the Democrat Party keeps empowering it because that really is empowering itself what does the federal government do that uh, that actually works? I think we can ask this question now. I mean, it wants to control every aspect of our lives. Used to be said, stay out of the bedroom. They're in the bedroom. They're in the living room. They're in the kitchen. They're in the laundry room. They're in the garage. They're everywhere. Everywhere. Now they are regulating the climate. I want to ask you a question. This phrase climate change that nobody can really define, but it has become a... uh, Well, for the polemicists out there, you know, it's become their rallying cry and so forth and so on. But how come it only goes one way? How is it that climate change can't be good sometimes, Mr. Perdue? Why is it always bad? Now, I'm playing their game. Climate change or no climate change. How can it be that climate change is only bad? But it's never good. Temperatures go up. That's bad. Temperatures go down. That's bad. Well, how can it be bad all the time? It's not. So you had this this terrible storm this uh, what do they call a misreducer storm Hillary Clinton that hit the uh, southern Californians so over, but it wasn't as bad as they predicted. Sort of a hurricane, right? I want to discuss this. How can climate change only go in one direction? Bad. Maybe climate change actually helped us to prevent a horrendous situation in south in, uh, in south California. I'll be right back. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios and you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text LEVIN to 68592. LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. This is America's Constitutional Convention. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now. 877-381-3811. You know, I've been doing radio for 21 years. The company that syndicates my show, Cumulus Westwood One, purchased the company that I've been syndicated with called Citadel. Citadel purchased the company from ABC News Radio. So we've had I th- I think maybe there's another one in there, three different corporate entities owning the stations and partnering with me on syndication. Not once has anybody told me what to say or what not to say. A memo went out after January 6th, the last election. Not to me, not to Bongino, not to Shapiro, but it went out to some local hosts, you know, kind of waving them off the subject. And there were websites like Media, Media Matters, Drudge, and the others who are extraordinarily dishonest. And um, extraordinarily dishonest, and they were saying we had received memos, we were told to cut this, how to cut that out. We didn't receive any such memo. I didn't receive any such memo, but they wouldn't take my response or theirs and report on them. So nobody has ever told me what I can and cannot say on radio. Nobody has ever told me what I can or cannot say on the Blaze Network. I mean, after all, I'm one of the founding partners, but that's okay. Nobody. And nobody has ever told me on Fox. Nobody. What I can or cannot say. Nobody. But there are radical left-wing groups that are organized, that are financed to try and get me to either keep my mouth shut, not comment on certain things, or fall on the line with never-Trumpers and critics on the network or in radio. I'm not going to do that. I just assume, quit one or more of those positions. That's never going to happen and the people who partner with me know that they know that in advance and they know that I am a good colleague that I work well with others but if I have a disagreement and that disagreement isn't personal in nature and that disagreement is legitimate Based on public views, mine and theirs, that's perfectly fine. It's called speech, republicanism, democracy, whatever you want to call it. What is shocking to me, what is amazing to me, is the effort to control not only what I say and where and when I can say it, but how media, media matters, the Drudge Report, how they say exactly the same thing and use exactly the same tactics. They're tactics developed by totalitarian regimes and they're state-run media. So McCarthy says something and I disagree with him. And he doubles down and I disagree again. And we engage, or at least I engage. He's just doing his thing. Why is that terrible? Why is that an attack? Oh, he attacked them! Oh my God! Wouldn't it be nice if somebody over at Mediaite had a disagreement at some point? What's that all about? Or on CNN? Or on MSNBC? Where well, they enforce 100%? They enforce 100 percent conformity, conformity. It's not going to happen. And they're not going to get what they want. That's the other thing. It's been constant these attacks. It's not going to happen. In fact, there will be a surprise in the near future. No, I'm not pregnant, Mr. Producer. You know, I do have a radio contract coming up soon. Very soon. Other things in the works. It's very exciting. Rather than shrinking, we're going to be expanding. And my wife is so worried about her hobby that I'm already overextended. And so I kind of am, to be honest. Because a lot of these guys actually don't write their books. They have ghost writers. I know they do. Uh, they might fact check them. They might edit them. But they're not doing all the research. Every damn thing you see in my books is from me. Good, bad, and indifferent. Every single thing. And if I quote other people, which I often do, because there's a lot of people who came before me who are very smart, or a lot of contemporaries who are very smart, and I give them all the credit in the world, They're in an end note if they're not named in the substance of the book. So you can check it out. I want you to check it out. I'm not patting myself on the head. I want the help, with your help, save what's left of our country. And as a lawyer, but more than that, as the son of parents who taught their son to be ethical and to be truthful... I would never steal anything from anybody else. If I knowingly use something from somebody else, I give them credit. If I unknowingly use something from somebody else and it's called to my attention, I correct it and immediately publicly say so. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, and it's better than a habit. It ought to be a reality. Much of that doesn't happen around me, as, as I've come to learn, but that's okay. Now, let's move on. We have a federal government that knows no bounds. We live in a post-constitutional America. You see what's happening with the Department of Justice, the phony special counsel. You see all these things happening. But there's some things that are more what they call granular, that affect you directly. I mean, all this stuff affects you, but this stuff affects you directly. Daily Mail, FAA safety chiefs to tour dangerous airports after dozens of near misses. I claims that air traffic control shortage makes disaster inevitable. 99% of air fra- traffic control facilities are reportedly understaffed. 46 close calls between airports recorded in July alone. 46 in one month. Air safety bosses will concentrate on airports, individual failings at a series of emergency meetings. Now, here's the deal. You have some large countries where the air traffic control system is partly controlled by the private sector. I can't remember which one's off the top. I think Canada's one of them, but they could be wrong. But for whatever reason, we think the government can do no wrong in Washington, the federal government. Of course, the local governments, they have their problems too. But the federal government in particular, all powers to go to the federal government. They can't even get enough FAA air traffic controllers. They can't get them trained up. They can't keep our our, our air traffic protected. How's that possible? Well, for one, the Secretary of Transportation is lazy. He's an incompetent. And he has no background in this stuff whatsoever. That's number one. Number two, the President of the United States is a stage five, uh, probably a dementia patient, quite frankly. I think that's why they keep bringing him home to shoot him up with something. But that said, you wouldn't run a company this way, the private side. You wouldn't have the everyday CEO and President who, you know, shuffles around, can't talk and all the rest. The board would get rid of him. And the board in this case under the 25th Amendment would be the vice president, and the cabinet, but they're not going to do anything. They're all sycophants. So how is it the government keeps expanding its power, expanding its authority over things small and big, consequential and inconsequential, just to show they have power and to use the iron fist to enforce it and get bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger, but they can't keep the damn air traffic safe because something's going to happen. Now, there's that. Then the other week, we talked about it. Study. Forever chemicals detected in nearly half of U.S. tap water. At least 45% of U.S. tap water is estimated to be contaminated with so-called forever chemicals, according to the new U.S. Geological Survey research. This is actually one of the good federal departments. Now, that aside... They talk about climate change, global warming, global cooling. It's an imminent threat. They say Republicans are opposed to clean water and clean air. That they're wringing every molecule that's potentially dangerous or cancerous out of the water system. And then one day we wake up, 45% of U.S. tap water is contaminated with forever chemicals. How many trillions of dollars have we given that crap EPA and the rest of these fraud groups to ensure that our water's clean? Well, they want to take over the automobile industry and they want to shut down the oil industry and everything else. What about the damn water? Half of it's filled with chemicals. Contamination. But they want to do more stuff. And if you don't agree to them doing more stuff, obviously you're a white supremacist, right-wing nut job. Maybe even MAGA, for God's sakes. What's the number one job of government to keep us safe from foes foreign and domestic? How are they doing? This is all the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party has, in many ways, destroyed local law enforcement. Oh, don't get me wrong. We have very brave men and women in local law enforcement. There's not enough of them. And they're not allowed to do their job. Well, that makes it kind of tough. Murder through the roof. Rape through the roof. Armed robbery through the roof. Burglary right in front of our faces. Shoplifting going on. Mobs that are organized online. Destroying stores. Shutting down entire... Entire neighborhoods, crapping on the streets, urinating on the streets. One of the greatest cities of all time, San Francisco. Now nobody wants to go to San Francisco. Anyone who lives there wants to get the hell out of there. And even Gumps, all the stores want to get the hell out of there. They're going broke there. There's no protection. All the prosecutors apparently are focused on Trump. You're not safe. You can't raise a family there. And yet you pay taxes through the wazoo. What about it? You got a guy running for president on the Republican side, Chris Christie. Disastrous cities in New Jersey. So many. Disasters. You've got one of the worst pension... Systems in terms of financial soundness in the country and he's talking about we need to fix Social Security Medicare Is that the guy to do it? Republicans and Democrats, is that the guy to do it when he couldn't even do it in his own state? And he's trying the same line that he used with Rubio that DeSantis is memorizing his lines Listen fat boy Why don't you focus on what it is that you're capable of doing for the country rather than trying to trash everybody else? If it wasn't for Trump, you wouldn't have anything to say in between those Dunkin' Donuts that you're wolfing down. But that's a whole other story. Let me get back to this. So crime in the streets is through the roof. Thanks to who? The Democrat Party. Let's be honest. Border security, we got drugs, fentanyl, drug cartels, sex trafficking, child trafficking, kidnapping, mayhem, anarchy. Why? That's not natural. That's not Mother Nature. That's Biden and the Democrats. So my point is, they can't even do the basics if they have all these fantastic plans for the future. They paint a picture of utopia when, in fact, they're responsible for hell. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios And you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text LEVIN to 68592. LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Again, I want to encourage you, each day, the clock is ticking. The Democrat Party hates America. I think a more timely book has probably never been written. Not intentionally, it's just the way it works. You can get your first edition pre-order copy at 40% off at Amazon.com. And all the other major retailers that have online sales, it's well discounted there as well. I don't want you to miss out on the first edition copy. And also, a reminder, by the way, there's eight seats left on the flow over section of the Reagan Library. Over 1,300 seats sold out in record time. Eight seats left on the overflow section of the Reagan Library. That's it. And I haven't even mentioned it since we announced it. But I want to mention book signings, very important. September twenty-third, which is a Saturday, ten a.m., at one of our favorite stores, Bookends, Ridgewood, New Jersey. You can check them out on their website. Bookends, Ridgewood, New Jersey, 10 a.m. September 23rd, that's Saturday, the very next day. Barnes and Noble, Tyson's Corner Mall, McLean, Virginia. The twenty-fourth, Sunday at one PM, the very next day. That's two of the three signings. The last one will be the Reagan Library. So if you want to say hi, I definitely want to say hi to you, to thousands of you if possible. Let's show them what we mean. And I'll shake your hand, you shake my hand, we'll meet each other, and I'll sign your book. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Hello America, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811 877-381-3811 Just the News is a great site Its founder and entrepreneur, a great journalist by the name of John Solomon who's responsible for it, I've known John Solomon for at least 20 years Maybe even longer when he was a big muckety-muck at AP, and then he moved, I think, to the Washington Times or Washington Examiner, then the Hill, now he started his own thing. People like their freedom. And in this piece on his site that he and Stephen Richards wrote, new memos undercut Biden-Ukraine narrative Democrats sold during 2019 impeachment scandal. Newly disclosed State Department memos conflict with the narrative Democrats crafted since 2019 impeachment, and yet you have people at National Review who said he should have been convicted by the Senate, there disqualified for running for president again. I mean, this is what I mean. There, there's the the insanity is just unbelievable. Causes people not to call the shots right. Just weeks before then, Vice President Joe Biden took the opposite action. In late 2015, a task force of state Treasury and Justice Department officials declared that Ukraine had made adequate progress on anti-corruption reforms and deserved a new $1 billion U.S. loan guarantee. Ready? According to government memos, that conflict with the narrative Democrats have sustained since 2019 impeachment scandal. Ukraine has made sufficient progress, I'm quoting, on its reform agenda to justify the third guarantee, reads an October 1, 2015 memo, summarizing the recommendation of the Interagency Policy Committee, a task force created to advise the Obama White House on whether Ukraine was cleaning up its endemic corruption and deserved more Western foreign aid. Now, the recommendation is one of several U.S. government memos gathered By just the news over the last 36 months from FOIA litigation, congressional inquiries, and government agency sources that directly conflict with the long-held narrative that Biden was conducting official U.S. policy when he threatened to withhold a $1 billion U.S. loan guarantee to force Ukraine to fire Prosecutor General Viktor Shokin, the country's equivalent of the American Attorney General. at the time the threat was made in December 2015, Shokin's office was considering an increasingly aggressive corruption investigation into Burisma Holdings. An energy firm the State Department deemed to have been engaged in bribery and that employed Hunter Biden and paid him millions while his father was vice president. New details on the impact of that probe have emerged in recent days. Shokin's pursuit was rattling Burisma. And the firm was putting pressure on Hunter Biden to deal with it, according to recent testimony and interviews. With Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's former business partner and fellow Burisma board member. Now, these new memos obtained by Just the News show Bullet, senior State Department officials, sent a conflicting message to Shogun before he was fired, inviting his staff to Washington for a January 2016 strategy session and sent him a personal note saying they were impressed with his office's work. Bullet, this is all new. U.S. officials face pressure from Burisma emissaries. In the United States, to make the corruption allegations go away and fear the energy firm made two bribery payments in Ukraine as part of an effort to get cases settled. Bullet. A top excuse me, a top US official in Kiev blamed Hunter Biden for undercutting US anti-corruption policy in Ukraine through his dealings with Burisma. So in other words, the corrupt company Burisma pressures Hunter Biden and then his father Threatens the corrupt regime, get rid of the prosecutor who's investigating Burisma and potentially my son and his business partner. And that's what they do. And he threatens them with a billion dollars. And, of course, uh, it's pretty obvious now that Trump was right. But in private classified emails shared with just the news, one of the top U.S. officials in the Kiev embassy told then Ambassador Marie Yovanovitch, remember her, leftist. At the end of the Obama administration, that Hunter Biden had, in fact, impacted the U.S. anti-corruption agenda in Ukraine. Listen to this big news, except in the American media. The real issue to my mind was that someone in Washington needed to engage VP Biden quietly and say that his son Hunter's presence on the Burisma board undercut the anti-corruption message. The VP and we We're advancing Ukraine because Ukrainians heard one message from us and then saw another set of behavior with the Family Association, that is with the vice president, with a known corrupt figure whose company was known for not playing by the rules. Embassy official George Kent wrote to Yovanovitch in November 22, 2016, email marked confidential. Too bad he didn't really testify that way. Joe Biden's role in pressuring then-Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko in December 2015 to fire Shokin has been a searing controversy since April 2019. The lead author on this story, a columnist for The Hill, that would be John Solomon, unearthed a 2018 videotape of the former vice president bragging about his role to a foreign policy think tank, so it was Solomon who uncovered that video. the time, Shokin was investigating Burisma for corruption. We know Hunter... Was receiving over eighty-three thousand dollars a month, so with his buddy Archer. Evidence would show, excuse me, evidence would show during impeachment and afterward that Biden's conversation with Poroshenko, the president of Ukraine at the time, occurred during a, and by the way, Putin's buddy, occurred during a trip to Kiev in December 2015, under withering pressure from U.S. and Western officials. The Ukrainian president eventually buckled and persuaded Shokin to resign a few months later in March 2016. Poroshenko, Ukraine's president, would tell Biden there was no evidence Shokin had done anything wrong, but he forced the resignation anyway to appease the then vice president. Now, my buddy Andy says, and this is my point, well, we'll have these back and forth, and we're going to continue, hopefully. I'm doing the back. I'm waiting for the fourth. I'm not sure if he was talking about January 6th that Trump should have been impeached, tried, and found guilty and disabled permanently from ever running again. So this impeachment was a complete farce. In fact, Trump, in my view, Trump was impeached to, to pursue the cover-up of what actually took place there. But let's talk about January 6th. Trump is impeached in the last days of office. He leaves the presidency without any resistance whatsoever. The impeachment took place literally within a 48 hour period. There were no hearings, there was no evidence, no exculpatory testimony, nothing. That's never been done in American history. And why would it be? Some like to say it's a political process. No, it's a constitutional process. You have to follow the Constitution still. And it's not meant to be a complete farce, where if you have the votes, you impeach, because politically you have the numbers. That's not the way it's supposed to work. Goes to the Senate for trial while Trump is a private citizen. So the goal now is to convict him and make sure he can never run again. And some Republicans, mostly backed by McConnell, McConnell wanted to vote for this too, voted with all the Democrats to convict him without hearing a shred of testimony. Now I guarantee you that'll go down in history, assuming we have a history one day, hundred years, hundred and fifty years from now, is one of the greatest shams in American constitutional history. And the people writing in support of it, they'll be noted. For how wrong they are. And how wrong they were. Now this is the first impeachment I'm reading about. Basically this Ukraine stuff. And then we have McConnell. Who's broadly supported by. Inside the Beltway. Establishment ruling class Republicans. And not just those who are elected. But those. Who've been around forever. Who you know. Who like to hear themselves talk. They don't say a hell of a lot. Certainly not much new. Pretty much follow the McConnell Republican line. But for uh, you know, McConnell, uh, Garland would be on the bench. Why do you say that? You're telling me another leader, a conservative leader, wouldn't have enough sense to stop that? Of course they would. We talked about it even before McConnell acted. No, but you don't understand. I understand 100%. He's getting credit for things that I think any Republican leader would do. Who's not, uh, you know, a Susan Collins or a Lisa Murkowski. Who he backed to the hilt for re-election, by the way. I think both of them said they're not likely to vote for Trump if he's the nominee. That's the kind of Republicans that McConnell supports. I believe, I know uh, Murkowski said it, I believe Collins said it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But there have been others. Romney, doesn't matter. And so you have these two phony impeachments. You have the phony Mueller investigation. I think everybody agrees, even the number of Trumpers, that the charges in Manhattan are outrageous. People with common sense understand the charges in Georgia are pathetic. And they're really smart among us understand that what has been done in these charges on January 6th, and even the document case, particularly with all the cutting of corners, the expanding definitions of the law, the ignoring the Presidential Records Act, and the leaking and the denial of attorney-client privilege and all the rest is a sham. Unless you don't believe in the American judicial. Let me change that. The American justice system. And man, all this creates a precedent for the future. All of it. And that's the problem. Even putting Trump aside. The floodgates have been thrown wide open now. Wide open. And I don't know how you shut them and get the water back in there. I don't know. I don't think he can. I don't think he can. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Cracked screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from PureTalk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month, plus it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound two five zero, say Mark Levin. Pure talk, simply smarter wireless. This is very interesting. I don't know who's leaking, why they're leaking. Tough to figure out. It's a piece by DNYUZ. I assume that means Democrat New York or something. I don't know what the hell it means. But they have some interesting information Often from that perspective, sometimes just information. How Mark Meadows pursued a high-wire legal strategy in Trump inquiries. I'm not passing judgment on any of this. I'm just informing you of it. This winter, after receiving a subpoena from a grand jury investigating former President Trump's attempts, they write, to overturn, to overturn the 2020 like, can we stop there for a minute? I always have to swim against the... Uh, What is it? The waves, into the waves, whatever it is. Against the stream. Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 election. America. We're surrounded by ignoramuses. Some of whom are legal analysts. Some of whom are just moronic hosts, politicians, whatever. The election is not over until Congress says it's over. There are different steps to an election for president and vice president of the United States. Voting is one step. One step. Then decisions are made at the state level. First and foremost, the electors have to vote. Then the list of the electors has to be affirmed, sometimes by a governor, sometimes the secretary of state, sometimes the chair of the board of electors, whatever, and sent to the archivist of the United States. Now, If a state legislature, for instance, disagrees with what took place, since they have the primary role under our Constitution, but apparently not in John Roberts' courtroom, two different things. They are free to set another group of electors. But that is a footnote to this right now. So the election still isn't over. The archivist then sends the electors from the states to the secretary of whatever it is, the House, the Senate, whatever it is, whatever the bureaucrat. they send it to that person. And on January 6th, Congress makes determination if it is going to accept the electors, certain electors, all electors, whatever it is, from the states. Congress has the final say. Not the Supreme Court. Not any court. Not the Attorney General in the Department of Justice. Not a special counsel. On the one hand, they say what took place on January 6th was an insurrection to try and prevent Congress from voting on the electors, right? On the other hand, they say that Trump tried to overturn the election. With his battles in the states and the, the, the electors and other. Well, which is it? Which is it? Did he try and overturn the election? Which he cannot do? Even if he wanted to prior to it getting to Congress or was there an insurrection that tried to prevent Congress from having the final say on an election? Which one was it? Oh, it's all the above. We just want it to be all the above. All right. So I want to correct the language of the Nimrods who who camouflage themselves as journalists, legal experts and analysts. This winter, after receiving a subpoena from a grand jury investigating former President Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 election, Mark Meadows commenced a delegate dance with federal prosecutors. It's been awfully silent. I mentioned that a couple of months ago. So something's up. Typically, you're working with the prosecutors. And, of course, he's not named by the federal prosecutors in any of those cases. He is named by the Georgia prosecutor, who, remember, her father was an active member of the Black Panthers. So she's definitely objective. He had no choice but to show up and eventually to testify. Yet Mr. Meadows, Trump's final White House chief of staff, initially declined to answer certain questions. Sticking to his former boss's position, they were shittled by executive privilege. Of course, that was stripped from Trump by the current judge who's overseeing his so-called January 6th case, which was an outrageous decision. But, you know, the Democrats one day will pay the price, assuming we have some Republicans who know what the hell they're doing. Well, when prosecutors working for the special counsel challenged Trump's executive privilege claim, well, of course, they lost. So what did Meadows do? A high-wire legal act and a new challenge. Meadows' strategy of targeted assistance to federal prosecutors and fink like public silence largely got him out of the 45-page election interference indictment that Smith filed didn't help him in Fulton County, Georgia, of course, for the reasons I said. Meadow's tactics reflected to some degree his tendency to avoid conflict and leave different people believing that he agreed with them. They were also dictated by his unique position in Trump's world and the legal jeopardy in his presence. Bottom line of this article is this. He avoided being indicted because he agreed to work with the prosecutor to a point if the prosecutor agreed not to make a public mess of the thing. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Cracked screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month, plus it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Now pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure talk, simply smarter wireless. Yes, it's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. By the way, one of the better lawyers out there that most of you never heard of is a gentleman by the name of George Tewilliker. He was Deputy Attorney General at one point and a Republican, of course now, he's the one who's been representing Meadows, and honestly, he's been doing a hell of a job um, and um I don't believe I've talked to the man in a decade or so since the Iron Contra stuff. give or take, but that said. He's, Meadows is in good hands with that guy. You don't see him a lot on TV. He doesn't have bombast. That's not his personality. He's actually a very nice, decent individual. <clears throat> I don't know if he likes Trump or not, and that, of course, is the is the trick, isn't it? If your job is to represent a client, you don't really want to get caught up in the politics and all the rest of it. As distinguished from Bill Barr. Really doesn't represent anybody anymore but himself and is out there just a blunderbuss, in my humble opinion. They might even be friends, they probably are, but it's completely different ways of approaching this stuff. And to Williker's the sort of the consummate professional. You know, we talk about the destruction of the Constitution. And what you're seeing in front of you now is its complete obliteration. You have Joe Biden, who is now defying a U.S. Supreme Court decision on separation of powers ground, says, hey, look, you do not have the power to spend $400 billion to a trillion dollars in student loan, so-called forgiveness. Isn't it amazing how many people have mortgages or car loans or credit card debt up the wazoo and you don't get any quote-unquote forgiveness, do you? That's such a passive word. We, the taxpayer, are on the hook for somebody else's loans. While you're paying down your own loans. While these people are making more money than you. Because Joe Biden is buying their votes. These are mostly millennials, not exclusively. They know they need that vote. Just like they know they need the vote. I mentioned this. It was regurgitated by a friend on radio and TV. Notice they need the vote of the unmarried, single woman without children. That's their abortion vote. That's why they're so radicalized by it. That is the Democrat Party. They don't do anything if it's not for power. Nothing. But you're watching the Constitution right before your eyes being destroyed, and that's how you destroy the country. But the same party and the same people who hate the people who wrote it, hate the people who adopted it, hate the people who ratified it, and hate the people, originalists, who are nominated to go on the courts to uphold it. And they wave it around. Like good little Marxists. And this is the problem, with so-called some people on our side. For a variety of reasons, some of which are floibles, head tics, mental illness, or just they flat out hate Trump, that's fine. They are prepared, despite what they say, to see the destruction of the republic and through that the destruction of the Constitution. Every single indictment that's been brought against Trump is an indictment against the legitimacy of our system. Now, seriously, you hear them say, well, the big case is the documents case. Let's step back. Let's look at the documents case. Really? You're weighing this thing? You're weighing this thing. You're in the Department of Justice. And you tell them, yeah, you go ahead and get a search warrant, get into that damn place. Who's a SWAT team. We want to make sure nothing's destroyed. Make sure there's a lot of TV there. Make sure the FBI logo's on the back, you know, so nobody gets shot and so forth. We'll get into Mar-a-Lago, go into the home and grab stuff. And they get a warrant from this guy in Florida that you can drive a truck through. I don't care what the former federal prosecutors. I've read warrants. That's what this warrant is. And I also know the history of that clause in the Constitution, probable cause. It was general warrants that they rejected. General warrants. And this is a general warrant. Something. Now you can check the boxes, you know, and anything around it. Other boxes around it. Other doc. That's not an, a, a legitimate warrant. That's a search and destroy mission. Now, I won't get into the weeds again. Tonight anyway. But if that's the most legitimate case of all these cases. What do you have? You listen to these guys split hairs on these networks. Well he had these documents he wasn't allowed to. Oh by all means let's indict him. Well, he had classified documents in mar a which, of course, is a fortification protected by the Secret Service. And, by the way, sometimes the FBI is there. Okay, great. Wow, well, he mishandled the documents. I would get him under the espionage act for that one. You have to be looking to cross the Rubicon to bring that case, particularly given precedent with Hillary Clinton, with Bill Clinton, with others, particularly given precedent, with a judge's ruling, another Obama judge, for God's sakes, in the D.C. uh, court, Judge Jackson. They're all named Jackson there, apparently. Judge Jackson and Bill Clinton in his sock drawer with the classified video in there. And so we have to literally split hairs, debate the declassification issue, what does the const- in other words, we're entertaining issues that have never even been imagined before? Well, it's Trump's fault. No, it's not Trump's fault. Presidents and vice presidents, and dare I say, cabinet secretaries, even attorney general, dare I say, what do you say, Bill, have taken documents home when they shouldn't have. I can remember when Lawrence Walsh who was the independent counsel for about seven centuries. He was head of the Iran-Contra investigation, which went on for about eight years. He spent like $80 million. And much like Jack Smith, he was targeting people. Reagan, Bush, Mies, Schultz, Weinberger, Reagan, and a host of others. And the reason was, you see, because, well, they gave these tow missiles, Ali North did or somebody did, to the Iranian regime in exchange for hostages and so forth. And, went, and the money went towards the freedom fighters in Nicaragua. Very clever plan, by the way. And they said that was a violation of the Bolin amendments to the budget bill but there were serious constitutional questions about whether the Bolan amendments could control the executive branch's power to conduct foreign policy. So this was a huge dispute, but it didn't stop, Walsh didn't care. So little Bertie contacted me when I was representing Attorney General Meese. The Reagan administration was over He asked if I would represent him. I said a hundred percent. He said, I don't have anything to pay. I said, that doesn't matter. You don't have to pay me. He'd been on a government salary for so many years under Reagan. It was my honor. And guess what? And I even put this in the report. We had a right, you see, to write a report that was appended to the prosecutor's report, which was a one filthy lie after another but it didn't matter we got to attach our report as did the others because a little birdie had told me that lawrence walsh who'd been a deputy attorney general under dwight eisenhower who was a liberal republican who hated reagan i'm telling you this hate stuff goes back to reagan and goldwater it's not just trump and. Lawrence Walsh, had two suitcases full of classified material that he brought on a commercial airliner. You hear this billboard? It's unbelievable. He checked the two suitcases, Mr. Producer, into the general luggage. He lands in Los Angeles from Washington, D.C., because he's interviewing Ronald Reagan. And guess what doesn't show up, Mr. Producer? The two suitcases full of classified information that had been sent through the luggage system, it never showed up. They never showed up. The FBI spent two weeks looking for it. They never found them. Now, Lawrence Walsh didn't have any protections. He was just a prosecutor. Now, what happened to Lawrence Walsh? Nothing. Was he charged with the Espionage Act? Of course not. How many even know this story if I didn't tell it? None of you. It's in a published report, public report. I don't want to hear this crap that what Donald Trump did is unprecedented and and he should go to prison for 300 years. And this has never been done before. And look how reckless he is and all the rest of it. I want to circle back in a moment. Oh, I've got more on this guy. When we return, I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Crack screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month, plus it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure talk, simply smarter wireless. I assume many of you listen to this program because you like my perspective on things. I bring my history and experience to it. My logic, my reasoning. You hear a lot of constitutional issues, history. Present day issues, I think common sense you might call some of this as well as a constitutional conservative. Imagine that all in a new book, tying together the poisonous activities and history and actions of the Democrat Party. It's called The Democrat Party Hates America. People have already looked at it and said it's the most important book I've written. I agree with that. It is the most comprehensive take on the Democrat Party from a liberty perspective, probably in modern history, if not all history. And this isn't just regurgitated stuff. You're going to find some really jaw-dropping information that will be very useful to you as you talk about these issues with family and friends and colleagues and neighbors and so forth. You have a chance to pre-order this book and get a first edition copy at 40% off if you act now. The days are are running, the clock is ticking for its release after Labor Day. I encourage you to go to Amazon.com, grab your copy or copies. Even if you're thinking about a gift in the future, you'll want to get the first edition because as soon as the book comes out, the first edition for my books sell out. So jump in now if you're thinking about it. If you really want something that is intriguing, enticing, very, very informative and substantive and yet entertaining, this is the book. It's, It's all in one. The Democrat Party hates America. It's available now. So, this guy, Lawrence Walsh, the Iran Contra investigator, in addition to checking classified information, which was in two suitcases that he checked in the general luggage area and it never came out, and the FBI never found them, which means he should have been prosecuted and gone to prison. But no, they wanted to get Reagan. That would never happen. It was also reported by a patriotic federal contractor on a commercial aircraft who was sitting behind Walsh and one of his prosecutorial aides that he was reading top classified information with the striped cover on the airplane in front of anybody who wanted to read over his shoulder. Another violation of the Espionage Act course, nothing happened to him. It was all kept secret, secret, quiet. You know how many times this happens? I don't know about checking luggage. Then, of course, Trump has the Patriot Act. None of these other people have the Patriot Act, Patriot Act, Presidential Records Act. Excuse me. So the documents case is a farce, like all the rest of them. It's not the strongest, maybe the strongest case, whatever that means, but it's still a farce. A third Blockbuster Hour. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. Anyway, I want to read something to you. The Republican establishment is mostly flat-footed. Flat-footed in the face of Democrat Party and the American Marxist agenda. Although it does not exist to fundamentally transform America... But when it refuses to acknowledge or take effective, affirmative, and proactive steps to counter the Democrat Party's agenda and the forces of American Marxism, wait a minute, wait a minute, I forgot to do something. I wanted a hat tip to Lauren, who is an exquisite dog trainer who has our two little beautiful baby doggies for the next three weeks. And by all accounts, uh, they're settling in very nicely. But I miss them. They're joyous. Absolutely joyous. I mean, they are puppies. But we've got to get them house-trained, at least get some help towards that goal, and uh, just make sure they're safe together. That's all that happens. I am a thrilled man. But it takes time, you know. They are puppies, and they had brutal backgrounds. But if anyone can do it, Lauren can. Because that's my daughter's name, too. Our daughter's name. So we give her a hat tip. All right, now back to business. The Republican Party establishment is mostly flat-footed. Obviously, the Republican Party does not exist to fundamentally transform America. But when it refuses to acknowledge or take effective, affirmative, and proactive steps to counter the Democrat Party's agenda and the forces of American Marxism, and in too many cases acquiesces and contributes to them, the Republican Party fails in its most important mission, to defend the American people from a Democrat Party that literally hates the country and is destroying it from within. That's why I have no stomach for the never-Trumpers. Or even no stomach for the people trashing DeSantis and some of these other patriots. I have no stomach for it, because we're losing the country. Moreover, unlike the Democrat Party, the Republican establishment would rather betray its own base, conservatives, and try to marginalize it than battle the Democrat Party, preferring to make appeals to the Democrat Party media and demonstrate their supposed bipartisan common sense in pursuit of temporary political power and positive media coverage. Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell and the likes of Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Chris Sununu, Asa Hutchison, and Chris Christie are but a few contemporary examples of this defeatist mindset. It is also one reason why they and Republicans, like them, constantly target Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, and others who understand the nature of the threat and are willing to confront it. It takes uncommon fortitude, principles, and foresight to recognize and engage the Democrat Party, its surrogates, and the American Marxist movements. In addition to literally putting your career and freedom on the line, you must deal with a rear-guard action from quislings within the Republican Party. Even with all this, I don't believe it can be said that the Republican Party as an institution hates America or exists to again fundamentally transform America, It's not the home of the various Marxist movements that plot Dalian in a thousand ways against America. And the Democrat Party seeks to effectively sideline the Republican Party with repeated efforts to cartelize, cartel, cartels, cartelize control over the electoral process, which it is close to achieving, already having near monopoly control over the culture. As you might guess, this is in the last chapter of the Democrat Party Hates America. So what is the answer? It's just a little piece of it, just to give you a taste. Publishers like authors to end their books with proposals for addressing or fixing the problems they raise. If you look at virtually all my prior books, I do that. The list of proposals I suggest as I look back on them were very important and I believe remain important. And you can look at them, the Liberty Amendments, Liberty and Tyranny, American Marxism, and so forth. However, in the end, as I spent more than a year researching and writing this book, it became obvious to me that the Democrat Party is a treacherous political organization dating back to its founding, that its obsession is with self-empowerment and societal control. It has never embraced Americanism, and it is the entity through which, and in coordination with American Marxism, that is self-described progressivism and democratic socialism, intends to impose top-down, a top-down revolution. In every way, this reality must be communicated to as many people as possible. In other words... The first step is to identify the autocratic danger the Democrat Party represents without candy-coating and hesitation. It is my deepest hope that this book, like a Thomas Paine pamphlet to the early colonists, will help alert our fellow citizens to the existential threat, as they like to say, and rally them peacefully to the cause before darkness descends on this republic. Moreover, every legal, legitimate, and appropriate tool and method must be employed in the short and long run to shatter, to shatter the Democrat Party and its anti-American fundamental transformation agenda. The Democrat Party must be resoundingly conquered in the next election, or it'll become extremely difficult to undo the damage it is unleashing at breakneck speed. This must be followed quickly, by launching and instituting measures to deny the Democrat Party the kind of power and control it presently wields against society. For example, this includes corralling and dismembering. Corralling and dismembering the Democrat Party's administrative state. Some of the same strategies and tactics employed by the Democrat Party against the Republican Party, the culture and its targeted opponents, must be employed against it. The Democrat Party must be effectively neutered or its anti-American agenda will become permanent societal fixtures. I do not possess the wisdom or assume the arrogance to provide a comprehensive to-do list. You'll hear that from Christy tomorrow, perhaps Vivek and so forth. To be used in all circumstances and on all occasions. But there are tens of millions of us who love our country, our families, and our freedoms. And who in every corner of the country, in every walk of life, can and must find ways to promote liberty and defeat tyranny. And that includes, indeed it requires, the disempowering and dismantling of the Democrat Party. And that starts with you, Paul Revere's carrying the message explaining what's taking place to an uninformed or acquiescent population and who's responsible for it. The Democrat party stands for the relentless pursuit of power and control. America was founded on the principle of individual and human liberty. And the dispersion of political and governmental power. Now the Roman Republic lasted four hundred and eighty-two years, the Empire over a thousand, but the Roman Republic lasted four hundred and eighty-two years. Our Republic is only two hundred and forty seven years old. If the Democrat Party succeeds, the American experiment will have failed. That's how I close the book. After writing some 400 pages and making the case. From history and philosophy, from their icon, so-called, to modern day. This is hardly a regurgitation. This is an exposition. This is, in my view, the most comprehensive book ever written on this subject. If there's another, let me know what it is. And you will have here, ladies and gentlemen, I haven't counted how many endnotes are in this book, but it's enormous, and I consider them for reference, if you want to use them for reference. But there are, I'll give you the number of pages, and the font is quite small. Let's see if my... Subtraction and addition is up to speed. (coughs) Excuse me. Let me just put it to you this way. There are hundreds and hundreds of endnotes. We used to call them footnotes when they were at the bottom of a page. So you can check the sources yourself, and you can see I give credit to people. I watched another show not too long ago this evening where the host took the words right out of my mouth from last night's show. I'm not even talking about Fox, for you you people. Oops, I almost said it, Mr. Producer, over at Media. But that's beside the point. You might say, Mark, you've been talking about this book for many weeks now. Well, let me ask you a question. Since I'm the only one who wrote it, and other than a handful of editors and my wife, I'm the only one who've read it beginning to end. Who else is there to talk about it right now? That day will come when it's released. But I'm it. I can't go on 50 shows right now and talk about a book that's not even released yet. So it's you and it's me. And it's always been that way. This is my 10th book. I'm not sitting here and counting the number of books. I remember it. Alan Dershowitz once uh, offered to me, unsolicited, that he's written 50 books. I'm sure they're all great. I have no interest in writing 50 books. None. But every one of the books I write has my heart and soul and my brain power behind them. Every one of them. Even a book like this, the longest I've ever written... And I suspect there's a typo or two in it. We do our best. We do our best. And then we fix it. And, of course, our enemies pick up on that. Rather than the substance of the book and the other 100,000 words that are in the book, they'll say, oh, look at that. You've got the word his twice or something like that. I don't really care. They don't matter. And, by the way, that's the cool thing about having a first edition. It's like stamps or coins or whatever. Any little technical... Clerical corrections like that, they occur in the second edition. The first edition is it, baby. That's what's gone from me to you. And my point is that everything that's in this book, I'm responsible for. Nobody else. I'm responsible for all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And trust me, it's all good but it's very ugly because of the topic. One person you know said to me, I couldn't put this book down, but then again, I couldn't stop fretting about what's going on. I said, well then you've achieved the purpose, the goal of the book. Don't put it down and talk to anybody you meet about it. Not the book, the substance of the book, what's in it, the points in the book. It's so crucially important, and I don't just pat myself on the back. I want to thank hundreds and hundreds of brave souls who are among us today, but many of whom have passed, many of whom have warned us about this day. A Harvard professor. Other professors. Other philosophers long gone. They deserve the attention and the credit too. But in many cases, I cannot state their argument better. So I won't. But you'll see there's an enormous amount of my own writing and thinking in here as well. So I want to encourage you. Tonight, don't wait. What are we waiting for? Pre order? Book comes out after Labor Day, it'll be on your doorsteps, and we're off and running, baby. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage no matter what stage you're in Shopify's there to help you grow sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer all lowercase that's shopify.com slash special offer we're doing business off the air oh my gracious goodness gracious I'll be right back. Mark Burpin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Now you heard what I write at the end of the book. The Democrat Party must be destroyed, not just defeated, if we are to survive as a republic. So when you hear people say, like Bill Barr, plagiarizing this show, That if the nominees are Biden and Trump, I'll jump off that bridge when I get there. He may have a buoyancy issue, so I wouldn't recommend that, Bill. But that just shows his ignorance and that he has uh, no, really no concern about the future of this country. And I would say the same about others. And, you know, I was critical of McCarthy. And I didn't attack him, but... You know, he says, um, and he's not alone, by the way, there's many, so it's not just him. He's not going to vote for Trump should he be the nominee, and Trump can't win anyway, so what's the problem? And the country will be destroyed anyway. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we are men and women in uniform, often in secret, who fight for the future of this country. and They never give up. had a grandfather who unfortunately passed away at the age of 78 who joined the Marines at the age of 34 after we were attacked at Pearl Harbor. He wound up seeing hand-to-hand combat on Iwo Jima. He fought in Guam. He signed up the same time who signed up with him rather when he signed up His brother-in-law, who went by the name of Tug, his real name was William, married to his sister, obviously, he joined the Marines as well, and he fought at Guadalcanal. These were two very tough men. Used to drive one of those old trucks from Germantown in Philadelphia to coal country in Pennsylvania, fill up their their rickety truck with as much coal as they could afford drive it back to Germantown where they would then go door to door and sell it because coal was used to heat up stoves and heat homes at the time now of course we can't even use natural gas but you get the point these were men who had little or nothing and they loved this country They were second generation. In the case of the Rubens, anyway, my grandfather, his father had fled Russia, all great Russia, and the pogroms. At the age of 15, he came to the United States, loved this country. His son, my grandfather, loved this country. His daughter, my mother, loved this country. His name was Maurice. He hated his name. He went by the name of Mo. He went by the name of Mo. He didn't talk much about what took place in Iwo or Guam. But as we got a little older, he spoke very briefly, and it was horrific what they did to our POWs on that island, on both islands. The middle of the night, they could hear them screaming, they were being tortured. And so on Iwo Jima, they decided they were not going to take any prisoners alive. That's the way you used to fight wars and win them. Today, of course, they'd all be court martialed and they'd be in a military prison. So when I hear people in this country who've never faced anything like that. Never anything like it. It wouldn't dream of facing anything like it. Yeah, it's between Bush and Biden, I'll jump off that bridge when I get to it. You know, if it's between Bush and Biden, I, excuse me, uh, uh, Trump and Biden. I'm not voting for Trump and he's going to lose anyway and the country's dead. You know, I think to myself, you've got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. I can only imagine what my grandfather would say about what's going on. And by the way, he was a Democrat. He wasn't an ideologue. He wasn't even a liberal. He was a rock-solid conservative. But in Philadelphia... The part of Philadelphia he lived in, it was Democrat. So he was a Democrat. It didn't mean anything to him. And the Democrats back then were not the Democrats of today. They simply were not. They weren't Marxists, for God's sakes. They were not even John Kennedy Democrats for the most part. They were more conservative. So when you think about what somebody like that had to deal with, We came back from the war, honorably discharged. For then and for our family, he was a big man. He was over six feet, two inches tall. He was very strong. He didn't work out. He was very strong. He'd been a boxer. An amateur boxer. Just for the hell of it, he boxed. He was a tough man. Remember the first time I saw him He wore a leather coat That went from You know the back of his necks and shoulders Down to his knees One of those I distinctly remember this coat It was tan And he wore Stetson And he talked like this Because he lost his voice While fighting on Iwo Jima he lost his voice and he never got it back and when I knew him of course he was a much older man his hands would shake they just shook he didn't complain they just shook In other words, he wasn't the same man who came back. And neither was his brother-in-law, Teddy, who had massive hands. could break your neck, snap it. He wasn't the same man either. The one thing he told me is one night on Iwo Jima. He was with 105 men. They split him up. It was horrendous. They couldn't dig in. It was volcanic ash. The Japanese were dug in in the hilltops there, despite all the, the firepower that had been sent into that island from the ships so many of them were sitting ducks and they couldn't dig in they couldn't build foxholes and everything and he told me that he was sent to get well, to get more ammunition and he came back Out of 105 of them, there were about 20 left. He said it was unbelievable. Again, he barely ever talked about it. It was horrific. I learned from him. Learned from my father, my mother That we are blessed to be in this country. And those of us who sit on our asses in our air-conditioned home. Post things on social media. In the weeds, splitting hairs about the niceties of the law and documents. And whether Trump had his documents in the bathroom or in his closet. And whether he's committed the crimes of this century. For which he should go to prison for hundreds and hundreds of years. Makes me sick to my stomach. Sick to my stomach. I'm almost 66 years old. You know the Vietnam vets in their 70s and 80s, some early 90s. If they talk, they'll tell you about the horrific things they confronted in Vietnam with the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese, all supported by the communist Chinese and others. The torture, the horrendous jungle conditions, the mosquitoes, the snakes, the the traps and all the rest, while they're being trashed by the Democrat Party and the left here at home, burning our cities, claiming it was on their behalf when they were undermining our war effort. Last time we had a draft, I don't think anybody in this country today would even understand what a draft is. About half of the people who were drafted would go to Canada. Whatever. They must be saying to themselves the same damn thing I just said except they were in the right to say it. He was sending me over there to fight these communist bastards. I lost my wife, or I lost a big chunk of my life. I lost my best friend. I lost people. I didn't even know, but it was horrific. All the way in Southeast Asia. I was very young. Can you hear them? And look what you're doing to my country. Look at what you're doing to my country. I don't care if you're a former federal prosecutor with the Attorney General of the United States, the current Attorney General of the United States, the babbling fool in the Oval. I don't care. These people have no respect. None whatsoever for the people who created this fantastic country and the people who defended it. And apparently it's asking them too much to use their various public perches, postings, columns, appearances on TV, appearances on radio. Apparently it's asking a little too damn much. To stand up for this country. I'll be right back. Love In. Ron DeSantis is a combat veteran. Does that make a difference to anybody? I don't know if anybody else on that stage is. Maybe there's one or two others. I just don't know. You know, as is the nature of our politics, and Vivek will be the first to say so, it's getting hit pretty hard right now, um, in many ways deservingly so. I mean, if you're going to hire somebody, an editor, to, to broom or whitewash some of your past, uh, that'll catch up with you. Or your relationship with the Paul Soros Foundation, that'll catch up with you or comments you make related to 9-11, that'll catch up with you. These full interviews are available. I know what I'll say, but I'm just telling you folks, even if you want to vote for him, you have got to study these candidates. You've got to know who believes in what. I've said over and over again, probably some of these candidates have heard me. I don't have a problem with an outsider. I have a problem with a blank slate. Apparently, this blank slate is being filled now, as you might expect. From I suppose opposition research, Fox has some stories out there. The Atlantic has some stories out there, and you might say that's because he's not. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I'm always skeptical. I'm always skeptical of somebody as a person involved in the conservative movement and doing this show for decades. Of somebody I never heard, all of a sudden they show up. That's great. Go for it, baby but then you're going to be scrutinized. You have to be. You want to be president of the United States. Most of what I know, I taught myself. I learned myself. I couldn't wait to get out of public school. It was so confining for me. I don't believe in learning by the numbers, like paint by the numbers. If something interests me, I will pursue it to the ends of the earth. If there's a provision in the Constitution, I want to know why it's there. And I will dig into it. I don't need Lawrence Tribe and Ludig and all these other phonies and frauds to tell me what they think. I don't care what they think. It doesn't mean a thing to me. Why do I care what they think when I can go to original sources and figure it out myself? I feel the same way with candidates you remember in 2016, my primary candidate was Ted Cruz. And by the way, I think he would have been a great president. But he was defeated fair and square by Donald Trump. And I didn't like Donald Trump's tactics. I didn't like him at all. I told you exactly what I thought behind this microphone. Even today, some of the nib go on. Yeah, you were a trumper I was never a never-Trumper, except for 24 hours. I mean, I've got years and years and years to prove it, but that's not the point. I was invited to to be one of the 25 authors by National Review trashing Trump. I said, no, thank you. He was the nominee, and then he gave a great speech at Gettysburg. He talked to me several times. I said, all right, this guy's the real deal. He really does want to save the republic. I quickly endorsed him. I didn't say, you know, Trump gets it. I'm not voting for him. But a lot of these nimrods, that's what they did. What are folks going to do if it's DeSantis by some chance? You're not going to vote for him? Everything I talked about tonight is meaningless? Or a Tim Scott or somebody like that. Seriously. All right, we'll be on tomorrow night before the debates. Full three hours. I hope you'll be with us. Don't forget to run to Amazon.com. All you got to do is ask and you can get your pre-order taken care of. And salute to all you heroes out there and you tremendous patriots. God bless you all. See you tomorrow.